and good night. It is me, Dia Danu Elishmar, aka Alaya, but please call me Dia. And I kind of feel like I'm like repeating that over and over again. But for those of you that are new, welcome. Um, I am recording both for my YouTube channel, for those of you that want a visual experience, and directly to my podcast on the um, on Anchor, The Cosmogenia, for those of you that want more of an audio experience. And both will be available online. So tonight is a very interesting and somewhat special night because I will be speaking a little bit about my nature. Um, when the mothers had revealed to me um, what I am in essence, it has taken this much time, several years, to begin to grasp what that means, right? And I say it that way because I'm still learning. I'm still remembering. I'm still uncovering how I am to truly be in this lifetime because each incarnation is different because each time that I incarnate into is different. There, It's not the same, right? So as forbidden scripture in this lifetime, what does that mean? So what I will do is I will read the first journal entry that mentions this, that reveals this, and then I will go on to read um, some of the information that came up through Sacred Ceremony. And as I'm reading that, I'll explain, okay, this is what I come to, this is what I understand it to mean, and provide some examples, you know, life, real life examples, and scholarship, right? I love scholarship. Um, In the very end, I will read out of uh, Maria Gimbutas, one of her works, um, called The Living Goddesses, and that will provide as the um, the uh, the connection or the segue, the launching point for the motherhood podcast that I have been wanting to do since the information was revealed to me. I think it was last March, March of 2021, the end of February, beginning of March of 2021. But I do have to go back and re-listen to the recordings and write them out. So that will take some time. But before I even get to that point, I'd like to talk about my essence. So why is essence important? Essence is very important because it's the ground of your being. It's what makes you what you are who you are is what you are, which is why names are important. Names define that which exists or, yeah, or is coming into existence, right? That's common knowledge through, you know, a lot of indigenous worldviews, be it indigenous to this side of the world or indigenous to the other side of the world, to the northern part of the globe or the southern part of the globe. 
um, and esoteric knowledge and mysteries, names define things and people, that which is manifest. And so if with regards to divinities, when we search for their true name, you know, good luck with having their true name revealed to you. But when we search for the name or try to understand the nature of said divinity, we look at the names because the names give us an idea as to what their nature is. And so with myself, with me sharing this, it's to give you a bit more information, a bit of insight. Okay, you know, she does these things and she says this and she says that, you know, what, what am I, right? When I, when I get asked that question or when I contemplate the question, the phrase, who am I? I'm really contemplating what am I? Because what I am is who I am. Who I am is what I am. Which is at a deeper level, me contemplating what is the root origin of my being? What was it that created me and why? right for what purpose and for what reason why is this important so that when people encounter my work they have a grasp a better understanding a bit more clarity as to why i do what i do as to why it is i'm doing what i'm doing so without further ado let's get to it so the first bit of insight that I'll be sharing out of my dream journal is from April 3rd, 2013. And this is an ancestral transmission. So what I mean by that is ancestral divinities or divinities that have agreed to work with my essence, either in all lifetimes or whenever I incarnate and where it's necessary. Um, they reveal themselves so that they can reveal information or they are ascended um, divinities and ascended people ascended ancestors that have vowed to continuously work with my essence whenever you know I incarnate and those that are born through me so all I remember are the images the elders showed me and a few words that were spoken. One said that I'm not supposed to be here. Quote, she says, you don't belong here. End quote. I did ask for her to be specific. Here at my mother's place in Boca Raton, Florida. Or here on earth. If I am not to do something, then I would like to know immediately what it is I am to do. Furthermore, they said that I am forbidden scripture and that not everyone can see me. I'm not sure if they meant not everyone is allowed to see me, whether it be because they simply cannot or if there's a veil that prevents me from being seen by just anyone. So I have asked for clarification. I'm going to end there. So the elders I mentioned are primordial mothers, great ancestral mothers. And 
why I asked them for clarification. Because at that time, I didn't understand what they were talking about. And this is something that was very common at that time. It's 2013. This was how many years ago? Several years ago, right? Um, nine, I believe. Like almost 10 years ago. Um, yeah, almost 10, right? Or was that 11? Oh gosh, I can't, I can't, no, can't count now. Um, so whenever they would reveal information, it's always been a little confusing, right? What is it specifically that they're trying to communicate so that I can integrate this knowledge and move forward or better understand the direction that I'm moving in? The biggest question has always been, well, what is forbidden scripture? I don't get it. I don't understand what that means, right? <clears throat> what does it mean by not everyone can see me? Um, so when they reveal information, they don't always provide an explanation, an explanation immediately in that revelation. The explanation is revealed through experience, through lived experience, so that I can embody and radiate the meaning behind it. And so usually they don't give a name or phrase. They they give excuse me, they give a, a teaching or an explanation. And later on in my remembering or initiation process, they provide they provide the name. Sorry I'm trying to shift the, the music in the background. So, what is forbidden scripture? What did they mean by not everyone can see me? Okay, so when we talk about scripture and that which is forbidden, we are speaking about mysteries, right? Sacred mysteries, sacred knowledge. Um, and why not everybody can see this sacred knowledge? It's because not everybody is in a vibrational space to be able to handle what emerges or what the knowledge attracts, right? It's not that you're not worthy ever. Um, it's just that you're not ready, right? Um, forbidden meaning secret, sacred. And you have to, that's what initiation processes are for, to prepare you, to help bring your awareness to a certain level, bring your energetic vibration up to where it needs to be so that you can handle that knowledge, so you can handle the energy of that information, so that you can handle the vibrational frequencies that will be attracted to that, which are usually much higher than where you are. So for you to be able to meet them, you go through this initiatory process, ongoing process. If you're embodied, if you're in a body, there's, there's a relearning, there's a reconnecting, there's a re-going back to. It's just because of the, the birthing process in the physical form as it is now. So when it comes to you know, encountering sacred or hidden knowledge, you most definitely, most certainly need to be prepared for it. But still, what does that mean? 
Not everyone can see me. I mean, you can see me now, right? <laughs> Sad joke, I know. Okay, so the next bit that I'm going to read comes from Sacred Ceremony. So that dream was experienced in 2013. And so in 2021, yeah, last year, April of 2021, I don't, I'm not sure if I asked the question, but it was revealed. That which has been hidden was finally revealed, right? Um, but specifically through the name Danu Elishmar. Um, so one of the things that I kind of want to slightly touch upon before I hit, before I get to Danu Elishmar, why Danu Elishmar is so important, is just to um, share this little bit of notes that I have on forbidden scripture. So. March 27th, 2021, right before April 9th, 2021, it was revealed, so I'm just going to read what it, what it says. I saw varying primordial mother goddesses take a chapter from their book or book from their collection and piece it together to make the forbidden scripture a quality of different aspects of the primordial mothers different aspects of knowing. That's what forbidden scripture is. A collection of sacred knowledge from primordial mothers. A collection of sacred and secret knowledge from different primordial mothers. A sacred text. That's not a book but that has manifested in my physical form. That explains why so many primordial divinities have shown up to me in, in my dreams, right? Not just because I have mixed ancestry, I have ancestors from all over the world, but it's because in essence, I am a collection of information of these virgin mother goddesses of antiquity, of these primordial mothers, of the, the, the primordial goddesses that a lot of people don't talk about. I am a collection of some of their mysteries. Some, not all. Which is great because I don't need to know or be all of anything. I just need to be me. So next is the Danu Elishmar. So Danu Elishmar is the second part of my spiritual name. So like if you were to be initiated into a tradition, um, you are given a new name. You're given, it's, it's a new birth, right? It's a rebirth. So you're given a name that defines that, that defines that birth, defines the nature of that birth. So Dia Danu Elishmar. Dia is one word. Danu Elishmar is, is the second name, but it's made up of three different words. Danu, Elish, and Mar. I don't know if I've explained this already. I've lost track. But um, to speak to it again, 
and how in its connection to my essence as forbidden scripture danu from the the water divinity danu um is is exactly as i've just said it's it's a name connected to water or river actually like you know the danube river um and so it's connected to the water eilish from i believe it's sumerian i could be wrong it's one of those mesopotamian cultures out there probably sumer um which means heavenly you know or most high from the heavens pretty much and mar um to represent the sea it's a latin latin word i believe it's probably from portuguese language i could be wrong as well but it's latin based that's the bottom line so dia is light um it's a sanskrit for light and it's the light that dispels the darkness of ignorance danu elishmar is danu as a river so it's the stream of the heavenly sea right and it's the stream that's that's a part of that heavenly sea so that's what i ground as a lineage of the heavenly sea so the light of the stream of the heavenly sea and part of my purpose here is to reestablish the lineage of the primordial mothers and how i how i am doing that is through the transmission of ancestral memory experienced through dreams which is my topic for my dissertation okay so the danu elishmar this was explained in very um in a very visual way so i tried my best to um state what i was seeing in the recording and then write down transcribe it so april 9th 2021 this is what was revealed you are a priestess of the divine seed the divine seed is the divine egg that is what you are so when it comes to the kind of priestesses that come down the line it's the priestess of the divine egg because it's the only one with the recreation and rejuvenation that is this lineage take note of that for the uh, scholarship at the end recreation and rejuvenation the phoenix cycle the phoenix being that is what you are the priestess of the seed what the root ancestor will always be a divine mother as priestess of the seed the danu elishmar is the new pod it is the new tree so the seed that you are the danu that has come into form and elishmar the heavenly seas that the seed emerges from so the elishmar is your house and the danu elishmar is the branch because the danu you came into being so you are the living stream the holy waters the holy heaven heavenly waters Ooh. your healing is with me and this is the mother speaking actually this technique is in safekeeping it's with me so she's revealing the different techniques of of transmission 
what is rejuvenation but another word for healing healing of another flavor quality and essence the new tree the new pod recreation and rejuvenation and this is very important to to keep in mind so that when i get to the scholarship which kind of came up in a very unexpected way which is how this these these uh, revelations happen um rejuvenation recreation what is it that i'm rejuvenating re-establishing you hear the prefix re right re um and it's so funny now that i say that um rhea the titaness in the greek pantheon she is you know um an emanation of she's a, um, a form of the great mother and i've read somewhere that the the letters re uh found in the in the minoan culture or as the late carol christ would say the ariadne culture of at nosos on crete um refer to the mother goddess as re re right so maybe that's a stretch maybe not but the thing to for me that i that i want to highlight for you is the rejuvenation aspect so what is being rejuvenated here and why is that so important as forbidden scripture as um a collection of knowledge from the primordial mothers because they're being rejuvenated. Like who talks about the virgin mother goddesses of antiquity? Who talks about the great mother in her Parthenon creatrix capacity? Besides Marguerite Regaliosa. Besides Dr. Marguerite Regaliosa. Like who really dedicates their work to their rejuvenation? to their anchoring, to their being in, in the lives of humanity at this time. Because in the distant past, 10,000 years ago plus, goddess cultures revolved around that. The primordial mothers, okay? Um, so yes, this is a part of my work, rejuvenating, reestablishing their presence on this planet today and helping women in particular become aware of and reconnect to cultivate and deepen their relationship to these primordial mothers right it's not a path for everyone and it's it's most definitely not for the faint of heart however if that is your path if that is your purpose they are going to call you. They're going to call you to your the work, which is rejuvenating, rejuvenating them, rejuvenating yourself, anchoring that energy that that they created you from. Okay. Um, from February twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. I titled this my dominion, um, the great rejuvenator, which is a term that came up and pretty much what was said was 
to rejuvenate that which is out of balance, the one who calls forth the sacred word and the healing light. So how does that happen, right? Through the sacred arts. What are the sacred arts? It's moving, it's word, it's visual arts, right? Sketching, drawing, painting, singing, uh, dancing, sacred dance, right? So yes, as forbidden scripture, I'm also the great rejuvenator for the primordial mothers. It's just a part of myself. It's just part of my work, I should say. Okay, moving on, we have... I have several entries I'd like to share before I get to um, the, the connection to Crete, which has its connections to other locations, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, March 3rd, 2021. If one is able to reach the origins of oneself, one will be able to remake themselves. If one is able to reach the origins of oneself, one will be able to remake themselves and rejuvenate themselves. It's what the sacred womb is partially about and not just miraculous conception. So when we talk about the sacred womb, we're not just talking about conceiving and bringing forth life. We're also talking about conceiving oneself to rebirth oneself. We're talking about rebirth as well, rebirth of oneself. And so the, the part where it says reaching the origins of oneself, your root origins, what created you? Yes, you can say the one source created me and I'm fine. That's great. Good for you. If that's the case and you're able to remake yourself with that, by all means, go right ahead. I'm speaking in the terms of the primordial mothers. Okay, if you feel you have that connection to them, and you wish to understand who you are, you wish to get out of the narratives that's been forced onto you in this lifetime, you want to remake yourself, you want to rejuvenate yourself, you need to get to your origins, your root origins, meaning you need to connect with that divinity that created you from itself. You are a little emanation, you're a mini, you know, a chibi, chibi USA. <laughs> Sailor Moon fans, um, you are a mini version of this this primordial mother, whatever, and whichever one, because there are several, right? Um, and one of the images that was revealed in a recent oracle for someone, it's an oracle for my mother actually, was of the you know of a one source, and then that split into that had, yeah. And then from that, two emerge, where you then had three. And then from that, two more emerge, where then you had more. And then from that, you have... So it kind of just showed me that even though there is a one source, what's created from that also creates from within itself and so forth. So it's a perpetuation of creation. 
through parthenogenesis. That's my cosmogony, that's my cosmology, and that is what's at the root of my being, parthenogenesis, or the parthenocreatrix of parthenocreatrix aspect of the great goddess. So when I speak about the great goddess, I speak of her as the Parthenos. I'm not speaking about her that's normally um, discussed in women's and goddess spirituality. There's nothing wrong with that, but this is my focus here, okay? The next, and one of, I guess, I want to say one of the exciting entries to date January 15th, 2022. That was a few days ago. Because in this moment, it's January 23rd, 2022. 1.21 a.m., but... Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to figure out the order to read them. I'll just read them in order. It's me in the cave of creation. So it's an underground cave or waterway. The walls glimmer a gold or the light from the water shimmers against the glimmer of gold in these caves that I am in with the mother water spirits. And so this particular experience, I was in the bathtub with, uh, I was taking a crystal healing bath with very specific crystals of very specific number and this is what was being revealed okay so I was in a cave actually the being inside the bathtub I was inside of the womb of the mother so much was revealed about that and so because it's more connected to motherhood I will save the rest of those Um, transmissions for that podcast however I want to share these three um, specific ones so yes being inside the bathtub I was being shown that okay in the distant past um, caves with water or waterways within the caves were viewed as wombs and this is where rituals or rebirth took place and I did not really know any details or I didn't know scholarship around this. I was aware that the caves represented wombs, um, but I just, it didn't, I didn't really, um, I guess, look deeper into it. Not until after this experience, which is pretty recent. Okay, so the next um, bit is... A ritual to be cleansed by the mother's waters in the mother's womb. Being in the mother's womb is cleansing. So yes, I was in the bathtub and then I I was taken into this cave. And then I was told you're in the... it It just felt like it was her womb. Like I could see the great mother. I could see her upper, upper body. She was adorned with existence so what does that mean she had on this cloak like dress that was the earth like that was like the had images of the earth on it 
and she had this tall headdress that was of the cosmos. And like her skin tone was that of, of like the dirt. It was brown like the earth. Um, and, but her below her breast was the bathtub. <laughs> it was like, so like the bathroom kind of transformed itself into like this cave and, but it was also her womb, right? Um, so that's where, the, that's what these transmissions are referring to. And so the last one that I share with you is what she says what she was um, communicating. She is saying this birth is a rebirth of her prominence for thousands of years, thousands of years to come. This is a rebirth of her coming cycle, of her coming forth, giving birth to me so that she can be through me, so that she can be through me, speak through me. This is her rebirth through her divine child. Again, she is saying this birth is a rebirth of her prominence for thousands of years. This is a rebirth of her coming cycle, of her coming forth, giving birth to me so that she can be through me, speak through me, this is her rebirth through her divine child. So as a great rejuvenator, I am rejuvenating the mother. And I want to, this, this just reminded me, I want to quote something from the Kagi people in Colombia. It was through a film that I recently watched for one of my courses that I just that just started last week. And I will share that at the very, very end of all of this. Um, I watched it Saturday, yesterday on the 22nd. It was, you know, I was waiting for my car to be serviced. And um, I was just like, why don't I just watch this movie? And it was very, very uh, enlightening. And, and it's all connected. So the scholarship that first I wanted to start with, the living goddess, is Maria Gimbutas. This is what the actual text looks like. And it's so interesting. I want to thank Sister Destiny Rose for um, peeking into this because she was reading it. And then I shared some of the experience with her and she didn't quote anything from chapter seven it was about the letter m um and the the water creatures and the water divinities and the frog divinities because there were these water beings that came through they were like mer beings so but they their heads were like a fish but their bodies were like of mermaids and I say mermaids because they had the the bulge in the front for for breasts, but it was all like this beautiful bluish bluish creamish scale on the outside with like 
a cream smoothness, iridescent, with a little bit of iridescent on the inside. It, it, they looked phenomenal, but they were water creatures. And then there were there were also these butterflies that came in and completely covered covered my body. So yes, you know, I was on a very interesting journey. So out of this book, chapter seven, I'm going to read just a couple of, of things that stood out for me. Page 136. Symbolism in Minoan crypts, crypts, like a crypt, right? suggests seasonal rites of renewal. Additionally, personal rites of passage, a ceremony in which the initiate was reborn or healed, cannot be excluded. I believe that rituals that occurred in the dark crypts of the Nosos temple complex relate, on the one hand, to those performed one or two thousand years earlier in the large tomb shrines of old Europe, Nugraj and Noth, in Ireland, and the Hal Safliani Hypogeum in Malta. On the other hand, they mirrored those enacted in classical times, like um, Elysius in Greece. The throne room, from page 137, obviously served ceremonial, not secular, purposes. We can easily envision the rituals that took place here. In the adjoining preparation room, the priestess was dressed in festive, symbolic attire. She appeared at the door, flanked with sphinxes, and then advanced to the throne, where she received offerings brought, from the, brought through the same door from the service section. The priestess became the earthly representation of the goddess. A lustral basin stood across the room and down several steps. Its presence reveals a ritual that may have included descending to be cleansed with water and fragrant oils and ascending again renewed. Many lustral basins occur in Nosos and other Minoan temples. They convey that the worship of the goddess involved a ritual of cleansing and renewal, and that it was continually practiced. And these basins have predecessors in Malta, Newgrange, North, if I'm connecting that, if I'm pronouncing that right, in the fourth millennium BC. This type of ritual was another aspect of Minoan religion inherited from old Europe. The functions served by temples in Crete during the early and mid-2nd millennium BC have deep roots in old Europe and old Anatolia, which is so interesting because I will comment on that in a minute. The large edifices at Nosos, Phaistos, Malia, and Zakros seem to have functioned mainly as temples of rejuvenation that concern the passage from death to life. Maybe, I would also say rejuvenation of the mother. Her being born as I had shared in my um, experience. Cave sanctuaries, this is on page 138. The Minoans regarded only those caves with special properties important, specifically those that contained chambers, passages, 
stars and the blue stalagmites, wells of pure water. Their particular shape, darkness, and damp walls symbolically connected the cave to the tomb and the womb. Several Cretan caves are clearly associated with birth giving. The Alithia cave at Amniosos and the Dicte cave at the Lasithi plain. The goddess Alithia, which is not a confirmed Indo-European name, by the way, to whom offerings of honey were made, is mentioned as early as the Linear B tablets from Nosos, which I think has not been completely deciphered, if I'm correct. I get A and B mixed up. One of them has been deciphered, the other hasn't. Rites of renewal and celebrations of the birth of the divine child were most likely performed in caves. So of course, when I read that, when I read this after my experience, not before, I read it after, I was like, I just went through that. I just relived rituals that have happened in the distant past connected to the great goddess. The transmission of ancestral memory across generations experienced through dreams and sacred ceremonies and meditative trance journeys. This is my life, right? Um, there was, we just mentioned um, the ritual bathing and anointing of sacred oils. So before I got into the bathtub, I that day I had received, um, I had ordered some essential oils from a company that I, I swear by. Like I've tried several companies, but this one I love the most. It's, I will you know, be looking into wholesale so that I can also sell their oil oils because they're, ugh, I just love their oils. Um, I received this shipment and as I was uh, filling the bathtub up, I just had this, this little push, this little pull, this little intuitive hit, unpack the oils. And so I did, I unpacked them and I, I placed them on the, on the counter in the bathroom and then I realized, okay, I need to anoint myself with certain oils after I get out of the bath. That was just something that I, that just came up. And I was like, all right, this is what I have to do, right? Who would have, who would have thought, okay, yeah, these oils that are coming in, they're going to be delivered on Saturday and or the 22nd. No, no, not the 22nd, the 15th <laughs> when this was recorded. And then you're going to, you know, relive a memory from antiquity because, you know, the mother needs to be re rejuvenated, right? Like, who, who, who plans these things? Because I don't, I don't plan it. I just go with the flow. So the last thing I want to share is the, the, an excerpt from this film. So the film is called Aluna, A Journey to Save the World. And so it's about um, 
these indigenous people in Colombia, the Kogi, that's K-O-G-I. And they're medicine people. I'm not going to say shamans, but they're, they're medicine people. They're called mamas. And in their creation story, um, Aluna is the mother and father of everything. And, you know, she wove the world into being. She thought the world into being. And everything, you know, is interconnected. So these people, they don't have a writing system either. Um, they go through an intense, you know, initiation process to become a mama and whatnot. So the whole point is what was said about this new mother that I'm glad um, the videographer captured that because I, again, I wasn't, I, ha I had no idea so what this film was about other than I needed to watch it for class, okay? So I'm watching it and then we get to an hour, 21 minutes and 49 seconds and this elder woman is speaking to this new mother, okay? And she says, when a baby is born, the mother is rejuvenated. A daughter is like the mother. She is the guardian of the mother. The mother is the owner of everything, all the rivers, all the mountains. Without women, daughters, who would guard all of this, right? This baby will teach the next generation. She will carry on the thread. So yes, those last few lines from, you know, the mother is the owner of everything down to she will carry on the thread is very specific to their, their culture, but it's applicable to, it's applicable, applicable to all of humanity, actually. It's applicable to mother goddess cultures of antiquity because here you have a, a Kogi woman that has had no... How do you call it? You know, no, no technological exposure to the rest of the world. This is their cosmology. This is their belief system. This is their myth, right? A daughter is like the mother. Sounds a whole lot like the Demeter Persephone story, right? If you really know how to look at it, it's everything Parthenogenesis of the daughter bearing line that Marguerite identifies, Dr. Marguerite uh, Ricolioso, that she identifies in her scholarship. The daughter is like the mother. She is the guardian of the mother. When she is born, the mother is rejuvenated. And so it's just going back to the experience I had in the bathtub, you know, recently with, with the great mother of being rejuvenated, of her letting me know it's she's being reborn through me. And it's not just her, it's the primordial mothers in, in essence, you know, the ones that are seeking to be renewed, rejuvenated at this time. So that is, that is me. That is um, who and what I am, Forbidden Scripture, the great rejuvenator, Dia Danu Elishmar, the Ma'at Hesi of the Hetawi Hatshepsut. That's the name of the temple. The Hatawi actually is the name of the temple. Hatawi Hatshepsut is the tradition, is the women's society within it. That is on my Instagram handle, and I think it's also on my YouTube channel. And I'm going to stop here. It is late. 
but it has been delightful to share this with you. If you have any questions, you can comment down below on YouTube. Or if you're listening on Anchor or any of the uh, platforms that the Cosmogenia is streaming on, you can email me at contact at dynasticlegacy.com. And I will have that as well in the information box for the podcast. So I hope you have a restful day, night, evening, whatever time it is that you're listening or watching this, listening to or watching this. And I will see you in the next installment. Peace be with you. Thank you.